I'm uh, thrilled to be able to be here today, and I can say that uh, I believe there's going to be some truth that will benefit you, but I can tell you that preparing this sermon has been a tremendous blessing to me, and uh, it's taken lots of time because I keep getting sidetracked because I went online and found that that tape because I wanted to hear it, and and I knew it was short enough I could play, but after I pulled that up, there were all these other... Churchill uh, speeches, and I spent like two hours listening to Churchill. So, um, and uh, <clears throat> Churchill, of course, from my perspective, was the greatest leader of the 20th century, for sure. And uh, he basically saved Christian civilization and really maybe all of civilization from great evil. And, uh, so, and he knew that he couldn't do it without God, too, I might add, if you listened to all of his talks. So, um, <clears throat> the uh, series has been on uh, Better Together, and we've had, the first message was uh, Seek God. That's pretty foundational, and we're going to focus a lot on that today as well, and um and then we had a fight fair and have fun um, and uh, stay pure. And now, never give up. Um, and uh, I, as I was thinking about this, um, there, sometimes I say, don't give up, never give up. And uh, both of those have a little bit different meaning, and they are uh, sometimes one that's more helpful. Never give up is more of an overall life. Thing, but don't give up is in that moment um, to uh, to not give up, and so keeping those in mind. And if you noticed in the uh, during the greet time, we played uh, Tom Petty. Um, don't usually play him in church, but his uh, <clears throat> "Stand My Ground, Don't Back Down" song is so good. Um, and uh, he wrote that, actually, after his house had been burned down by an arson. And, um, and he wrote that, and he was afraid to release it because he said he thought it was too naked, is how he put it. Uh, but then it's the song he said that he's had you know, thousands of people come up to him and tell him how it's impacted their life. And so the song he didn't want to release was, he said, his best. So... And then, of course, Lauren Daigle. That, she's pretty good. Um, <clears throat> anyway, the sermon has been, or the series has been focused on relationships. Uh, in my talk today, we uh, relationships are certainly covered in that uh, when Satan comes to steal and kill and destroy, he wants to kill our relationships, he wants to kill our values, he also wants to kill us. Uh, And he certainly wants, above all, to kill our faith. And he will do all he can to do that. And um, so uh, all of that will be tied into holding on to God. And um, I basically will have three take-home messages. And the first is, there ain't no easy way out, uh, as Tom Petty says. That's one of the 
focuses of that song, and there's that scripturally true. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And uh, that's a truth. And uh, it's good to remember that. And uh, that's been one of my weaknesses in, uh, in my walk, as I'll get into later on. Uh, <clears throat> second, we must stand our ground. We must stand firm in our hope and in our faith. Um, Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises is faithful. And then thirdly, uh, we really can't stand long-term in the face of the enemy by sheer willpower. Perseverance, endurance, patience, hope, and faith in the face of the enemy of our souls comes from the Lord. And um, it's good to remember, however, that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And so there is a part we play, is giving ourselves completely to the Lord. So those are my three take-home messages. Um, I also want to say that um, uh, this talk, as you can probably tell already, is going to come from my heart. It comes from my experiences of uh, studying the Word of God, applying that Word, and and living it uh, sometimes not well um, in my life. And, uh, but... uh, they're, they're tested in the lives of many. And um, as I talk these things and I share the truth of Scripture, um, I also want you to know that, uh, that like C.S. Lewis said, um, it's not, uh, I, I'm not telling you these things just because they'll be helpful or they've been helpful for me or they may be good for society. Uh, though that's true, but I'm sharing them because I believe they're true. It's truth, and it's unshakable truth. So, you will have trouble, or there ain't no easy way out. And uh, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus also says... The thief, Satan, comes to steal and kill and destroy. And I put in parentheses our relationships, values, and faith, as well as possessions. But Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. It's from John 10.10. Paul agrees with Jesus, shockingly. Um, Therefore, he says, put on the whole armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, and I add, and it will, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are also undergoing 
the same sufferings. Of course, you can read Job. Uh, and uh, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to talk about Job today. I could have given a whole sermon on Job. I like the book and it's been meaningful, but I may not have time. Um, so, that's uh, the scriptural support for the fact that there will be trouble. And there ain't no easy way out. Um, we must stand our ground and not give up. And again, there's all kinds of scripture. Um, and uh, I could have thrown out hundreds, but I narrowed it down to just a few. Um, Moses says, listen to the voice of the Lord and hold fast to him. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus also says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in him. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Paul says, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Paul also says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground And after you have done everything, to stand. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises is faithful. And Peter says, Be self-controlled and alert, standing firm. Get to my next page here. In the faith. Churchill said, And this was at a very dark, dark time in his life. It was actually before World War II. It was after World War I. And he he was in very kind of disgrace because he had sent troops to Gallipoli, um, uh, the British troops and uh, the rest of like Australian and New Zealanders. And uh, they lost... Uh, thousands and thousands of men uh, because it was a failed mission. And so he was in great disrepute. And Churchill said, when you're going through hell, keep on going. C.S. Lewis said, after each failure, ask forgiveness Pick yourself up and try again. So, then to the third point. uh, We cannot stand long in the face of the enemy by sheer willpower. And again, the eyes of the Lord are ranging throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to them. He's there to strengthen us. David says, my hope comes from the Lord. Paul says, Now it is God who makes us and you stand firm. Paul also says, May the God who gives us endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ. And then, um, 
back to uh, Ephesians, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So, apart from putting on that whole armor of God, we really are not going to be able to stand against the devil's schemes. Maybe I can cover Job a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, the story of Job, for me, is a, it's a great one, and it's a challenging one. Um, Job was a very blessed man. He lived in the Middle East. Maybe... Uh, they aren't sure when, but probably between 1500 and 2000 BC, so a long time ago. He was very wealthy. He had thousands of cattle, thousands of sheep, thousands of uh, uh, camels and donkeys and many servants. And he had seven sons and three daughters, and he had a wife. Uh, and he was well-respected, says he was blameless and upright. And then, one day, Satan appears before, the accuser Satan, appears before God, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? And, uh, and Satan says, well, what do you expect? You've been blessing him. You hem him in on every side. Just let me have a little shot at him, and he'll curse you to your face. And so... God allows Satan to have uh, reign, free reign with uh, Job, except he can't harm Job himself. Within a very short time, this disaster was to grieve, it was to tear his robes, throw dust on his head, fall to the ground. And he says, naked I came into the world, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It gets worse. <laughs> that was good, his response, that what Satan does gets worse because... He goes back to God and says, yes, but if I attack him, then he'll curse you to, to your face. So God allows him to do anything, basically, but kill Job. And so Job winds up with sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. He gets, he's, so, uh, he's lost so much weight. He's so emaciated. He says his breath is foul. Um, he has a fever and that his friends don't even recognize him. And he winds up sitting on the ground in the dust, and his wife <laughs> comes to him and uh, gives him this encouraging word. Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Job responds, you're talking like a foolish woman. 
Shall we accept good from God, not trouble? Now, I have read this story many times and been very critical of Job's wife, and probably rightly so, but it was just the other night as I was meditating on that that I said, that's me, you know, in many parts of my life. I would have responded the way that Job's wife responded. And, um, and so that's what this sermon is about, to get to where we don't respond in that way. Then Job has three friends. They live far away in different places, but they all hear about Job's horrible situation. And they're good friends. They travel, and they come and they see Job. And when they see Job, they tear their, their clothing. They throw dust on their head. And they sit down with him in silence for seven days. That's a good friend. Okay? <clears throat> Unfortunately, they didn't stay silent. But um, in any case... Uh, they did a lot better than most people, shall we say, would have done. Um, so after that, uh, Job opens his mouth and he curses the day he was born, but not God. And then in Job, there's many chapters of conversations where Job complains as his friends respond, trying to defend God, as friends do. And um, But in the midst of this great anguish, Job clings to God, clings in hope to God. In Job 6, he asks God to allow him to die, because then I would have this consolation. It would be my joy in unrelenting pain that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. In other words, in the afterlife... Job would have the joy of knowing that he had remained true to God. In another famous passage, he says, Yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And then he has moments. Sometimes he's in great depression. I mean, deep, dark depression. But then he has moments of light and hope where he says, Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend. As my eyes pour out tears to God on behalf of a man, my intercessor pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. And, of course, Jesus is our great intercessor who stands ever before God, interceding for us. And Job had a vision thousands of years before Christ came as a baby of God in heaven, of Jesus in heaven. And then, of course, the famous one that's in the Messiah. I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after I have been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. So, 
uh, from this high point, which is in chapter 19, Job descends back into some more depressive kinds of uh, states. And then the Lord answers Job out of the storm. He says, Who is this who darkens my counsel with words of knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? That was God. After God talks for quite some time about his creation and showing Job that, you know, we really don't see the whole picture. Um, and uh, Job repents. And Job says, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Surely I spoke things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. My ears had heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I repent in dust and ashes. After this, Job was healed and he was fully restored. Uh, In fact, he had twice as many cattle and oxen or cattle and sheep and camels and donkeys and many servants. And he had um, seven more sons and three more daughters. And... um, and uh, not to mention his eternal rewards. So that's the story of Job, and that can be a real encouragement in our dark times, I think. Um, and now I get to probably the hardest part of my sermon, which is my story. Um, and I think I have time. So I was blessed to grow up in a godly Christian home in Illinois. And uh, I learned the Bible and Lutheran theology pretty well, but I certainly did not have a personal relationship with the Lord. During high school years, I decided that I knew more than my parents and the people in my community. And um, I turned away from Christ quietly pretty much in high school. Um, And then in college, I actually became somewhat antagonistic towards Christians sometimes. Um, But then, when I was working on my master's degree in animal science at the University of Wyoming, um, I became, I started to realize that I wasn't sure there was a God, but I knew I wasn't it. And, um, and so I started looking. And, um, and I can say maybe one thing that drew me to that, actually, and this isn't even in my notes, was that I remembered the people from my hometown and the kinds of lives they lived and the way they served one another. And I compared that to some of the things in the world and a life apart from, from Christ. And so there certainly was something in me that wanted Christianity to be true, for sure. Um, and, but I did study, and, um, and for me, uh, I knew 
uh, I was a sinner. And, uh, and so that part of it wasn't hard. Uh, and so the crux of the matter really for me was, did Christ rise from the dead? And I spent a lot of time studying it, and I became convinced that the evidence was actually pretty overwhelming, that indeed Jesus did rise from the dead. So from that, the only logical next step for me was to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I did. And I did that in the fall of 1977. Um, <laughs> and my whole life was changed. Uh, it was kind of as Caleb Nindo, who some of you know. Um, he's from Kenya, and he was a Ph.D. student here, got his doctor's degree, and then was a professor at Idaho for a few years. He actually painted the ceiling here, so kind of the Michelangelo of of uh, Pullman Foursquare. But uh, in any case, um, in his, one of his sermons, he said that when he became a Christian, it was like having very poor eyesight and then putting on a good pair of glasses and seeing the world in a whole different way. And um, C.S. Lewis says said that he believed in Christianity like he believed that the sun came up this morning. Not only do I see the sun, but by it, I see everything else. And for me, that was definitely true. Before I came to Christ, my, the way I saw things, there was me, and then there was everybody around me. And from then on, it was, there's me and God, and then everybody else around me. There was always him. <laughs> and um, I probably have become kind of like Tevye in The Fiddler on the Roof, talking to God. Uh, if you haven't watched Fiddler on the Roof, you should. You should. Um, he has quite a conversation with the Lord. So, um, So, about the first 40 years of my walk with God, I would say they were generally what you'd call blessed. They were far from worry-free, and they were not without many, many challenges, but I'd say pretty good. My blessings included a great extended family, great friends, good pastors, good success professionally as a professor at uh, a couple of universities, and of course, most important, a really great wife and kids and now grandchildren, and I might add, very good sons-in-law as well. Um, the last two or three years have been challenging, and my ability to walk with joy or even peace with my God have been challenged. Uh, we bought property, and I felt that God gave us the go-ahead to build a house. And now that we're finally pretty much settled in, I think I heard right. But I certainly wouldn't have done it had I known the <laughs> pain that was going to be involved in between. So, the building project was extraordinarily challenging. Uh, they say home building projects cause many divorces. 
This project did not really challenge my marriage. Maybe primarily because Janice never gives up. But it really put my relationship with God to the test. In addition, my faith was a bit childish. Not childlike. Childlike is good. Um, And I allowed myself to forget that in life I can expect to have problems. Then last spring, my sister got sick, received poor care, and died actually one year ago today. Because I was gone to be with her before she died, and because the weather was so bad last spring, we lost a lot of lambs, um, including nine in one day while I was gone on February 28th. Then later in March, I accidentally ran over a lamb with my bobcat, uh, fortunately killing it instantly, but I blamed it on myself and God. Then Janice got really sick, and while she was in the hospital, my best ram was killed by another ram. So, I am now going to read a few entries from my journal to illustrate the depth that uh, at times I sank to, and then discuss how God directly and through his people brought me back to a very much better spiritual health. So, maybe a few page turnings here, but it'll be all right. I have it pretty marked out. So, this was uh, written back in uh, January of of 2019. And um, it says, we depend on God in every detail and moment of life. Francis of Assisi said, blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall enjoy everything. Wish I'd remembered that for the next few months. Um, We often forget how vulnerable we are. Our whole life can change irreversibly in a couple of seconds. Think about it. A spouse, child, grandchild, sibling dies. Or we, or one of those close to us, is disabled. Fire burns down your house. China declares war on the U.S. Kim Jong-un launches a bomb that hits Seattle, or even a major Japanese city or South Korean city. See what the stock market does then. Wealth and health in this life is so uncertain. So hang on to the life that is truly life. So I was thinking fairly clearly at that time, actually. Um, And um, you'll see that I didn't hang on to that necessarily. So... Uh, it was um, mm-hmm, the 25th, 25th of January. Another day where I think I was seeing things somewhat clearly, but um, 
And this is actually back in October of 18. Intellectually, I, I, it was kind of prophetic. Intellectually, I rejoice in the Lord's sovereignty, without which the world would be a terrifying place. But when his sovereignty encroaches on my little domain of control, I often react with telltale resentment. The best response to this is praise. Remember, everything comes from the Lord. Every breath, every heartbeat. Okay. Then, on uh, February 9th, this is before Debbie was died anyway, and... Uh, Lord, there are so many discouraging things in the world that make following you seem hopeless and even stupid. But I know that when I think clearly, you are our only hope. Help me to see you as my rock. I know it in my head, but not, not in my deepest thoughts and heart. I really felt like the Lord was my only hope in life, but... It didn't seem like that great of an option. That was what I wrote here. And, uh, but you notice that even though I didn't feel it was a great option, it was certainly better than the terrifying option of there not being a God to cling to. So there was even hope in that time. <clears throat> I... Hopefully, this is where I asked my, uh, it was a question that was asked in EHR. Um, I hope that I can talk of how God is delivering me from my childish, weak faith, perhaps encouraging others to embrace God in the midst of their trials and disappointments. Show me more, Lord. Lord, help me to see you in the midst of my troubles. That was a little bit prophetic to some extent. Um, How might I hold on to God when he is silent or when I don't feel his presence? I said, I don't know. I need to love God for who he is, not for how I feel about him. The problem is when I do not like who he appears to be. I say, without Becca and Abby, we could not have survived the lambing. I have gone through several cycles of hating God and then accepting God in pain. Not sure I have crossed the threshold into loving God. Is it true that to know him is to love him? If true, I don't really know him very well. That's a pretty dark time. Had a lamb die Tuesday from a birth defect, but I handled that pretty well. Until that same day, I ran over a lamb late in the day. After that, I exploded with anger and hatred toward God. I have great doubts about his ability or willingness to answer prayer. Everything seems so capricious or even malicious. The world is such a brutal place, mixed with so much beauty and love. I am so blessed by my family and friends. 
I think that the answer to the question of what is behind my anger is primarily, are you really there? Fear that my whole life is built on a house of cards. How frightening. Lord, how do I deal with this? I said last night when I take up the shield of faith, and this was with good friends in my rooted class who were a real blessing to me during this time, even though I was leading it. Um, I said last night, when I take up the shield of faith, it's a very small shield and maybe a flammable material. So, let's see, what's after that one? Oh, yeah, the last one of the, there, page 28. Okay. I had a realization while in California when Janice got sick that I could lose her. What would I do? Would my sanity hold? Would my faith hold? One thing is clear, in the midst of this turmoil, we have many wonderful friends, and our family is awesome. Also, Janice is awesome. She was so calm and strong in the midst of all this. I am so blessed. It is obvious I failed to say, God is awesome. I am sure I should say it but not sure I can with full integrity of my heart. In fact, I know I can't. Help me, Lord, to see your hand in the good things. I know I blame you for the bad. So that was kind of the depths of, uh, of where I went last year. And uh, I'm very grateful that through... Lord, and through many, many friends, that my faith has been restored, and um, yeah, I got a little time. So this was in September. God, help me to cling to you each moment, each day. Is there something I must do, not to be loved by you, because I know I am? but to become the man you want me to become. So that's progress. Yesterday I asked God to give me a sense of his presence all day. I sure flew off the handle a lot, but God did remind me to back off. Lord, help me to sense you even more today. Help me to be a blessing. And then uh, I'm going to read St. Patrick's Breastplate Prayer because it's been one of the helpful things in my life as well. Christ within me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ underneath me holding me up, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. 
I arise today through the mighty strength of the incarnation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Isn't that good? And then I did an EHR that I had done earlier and had a different answer. It says, how might you hold on to God when he is silent and you don't feel his presence? Before I said, I don't know. Okay. By reviewing what he has done in the past, remember who he is and that hardships are normal. Lord, help me to do this. And then, God can use my weakness to make others strong and to point others to my only hope, you, Lord Jesus. Lord, guide me and direct me today and in the future to bless and not curse whatever befalls me. Help me to be a light in the midst of darkness. All I have has come from you. Many things to do, but if I don't get my walk with the Lord in order, none of it really matters. Lord, help me to love you. Lord, I hate these tests. They are painful, and I do not feel like I am making any progress. My fallback is often to blame you and hate you in the midst of trial. Why do you use such drastic and what seem like cruel means? So see, I still wasn't completely over it. After all, the sheep never did anything to you. You, according to your word, are tender-hearted, even towards sparrows and certainly towards lost lambs. Lord, I wait for you to do what I cannot do. I think that might be it. So... In any case, it was quite a walk last year, and um, there's some of the things that helped me during that time were particular scripture passages. For example, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the whole armor of God, etc. from Ephesians 6. And that's a good one to memorize, by the way. Um, And it ends with, with this in mind, be alert uh, and always keep on praying for all the saints. And so being alert to what the devil is trying to do to you uh, is uh, good. St. Patrick's breastplate prayer was very helpful to me. God's people were tremendously helpful to me. Um, The people who were in my rooted group, uh, my family, uh, were all extremely helpful to me. Uh, I have to mention Michael Largent specifically, who's a friend of mine, Commissioner Largent. He, uh, when Janice was in the hospital and my ram died and he heard about that. His first response was, what can I do to help? And that was a blessing to me, I can tell you. And then other things, silence and listening to God uh, in, the, 
emotionally healthy relationships and emotionally healthy spirituality have really helped me. Uh, I think a real turning point uh, where I kind of felt like I was over the hump, though I'm sure there's going to be challenges and so forth ahead. But on my way back from Illinois, uh, after I took my mom home in January, I was doing some uh, daily offices, and one of them was about how God first loved us. And um, Kierkegaard, who I don't always agree with, but he said that uh, we often don't give that verse enough power because it's not just saying that one time that God first loved us, but it's every time we turn to him, he's already loving us. And, and that night on the plane, it was incredible. I was flying, flying in a plane, and it was like the Lord gave me a vision of him. You know, not like a movie, but, you know, it was like everywhere I looked, I sensed he was there smiling back at me, like behind the seat, popping up, out on the wing of the airplane. You know, that he was there uh, loving me and... Uh, it's an experience that I'll never forget. So, some of you may be tempted to give up on God, to give up on your values, to give up on your relationships. Remember, Jesus has overcome the world, and he is there to strengthen those who are fully committed to him, even, I'm adding this because it's scriptural, even with whatever strength you have at that moment. You may not be very strong, but you've got to give him everything that you have. Give him that. Um, faith is a virtue, by the way. And this is really paraphrasing, again, from one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, where he says that faith is not holding on to our beliefs in the teeth of reason. It's holding on to our beliefs that we have come to reason are true in the face of temptation, in the face of boredom, in the face of of negligence on our part in the face of terror. He says that Satan can take away our reason in a moment um, if, uh, if we don't have faith. So what we must do is pray for God to give us that faith where we'll hold on to those things even in the face of temptation, etc. And so that's also been something that's helped me. So anyway, to conclude embrace, though it's hard, the truth that in this world we will have trouble. Stand firm in your reliance and faith in the Lord. So, um, I guess at this time I'd like you to uh, think of 
some areas that maybe you need to, um, to give to God in this way, where you need to stand up where maybe you haven't or where you've been tempted not to stand up. And so uh, if you can do that, write it, write it down even and give it to the Lord. And there are people here who can pray for you. I can pray for you. There are many others who can pray for you if you, you want prayer. And so I guess I'll close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've done in my life and in the lives of all these people here. You are such a blessing. Um, and um, Lord, even in the midst of our trials, you are there and uh, you love us. And I pray that you would make that truth imprinted on every person here. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, are we going to have any more music, or is that it? We're done. So, you are dismissed.